Hello, this is the second in a series of podcasts by Wrigley's solicitors concerning the implications of the new General Data Protection Regulations as they apply for charities, schools and other not-for-profit organisations. My name is Duncan and I'm here with my colleague Sue and in this session we'll look at what you should be doing to get ready for GDPR and when you should be doing it. With the GDPR replacing the current Data Protection Act on 25th of May 2018, charities have now about nine months to get their house in order. Although it seems like a long enough period of time, I suppose there is quite a lot of preparation. What advice, Sue, do you have for organisations looking to prepare for the arrival of GDPR? Yes, well, Duncan, a number of organisations, including our own firm, Wrigley's, have already started on the road to GDPR compliance. Uh, It's fair to say that some organisations will have more work to do than others, depending on how tight their procedures currently are. However, if we can take a positive view, this is a good opportunity for organisations to review their data protection policies and procedures and to really think about the personal data that they hold where they hold it, and in fact why they hold it. So uh, with that in mind, I would suggest the first step for any organisation is to identify who will have responsibility for ensuring compliance with GDPR. And this isn't necessarily a data protection officer or DPO, as, as people will find them described as in literature. And not all organisations will need to appoint a DPO. However, it will need to be a data protection champion, if you can find such a thing, to help you steer you through the next nine months. And uh, that person will certainly require support across the organisation and maybe in the form of a working party. So once um, you have the team in place, step two is to look at the legal basis on which personal data held by the organisation is used And it may be that you can rely on legal grounds such as it's necessary to comply with your legal obligations. So that may mean in circumstances where you actually have a statutory duty to record information. But if you rely on consent, for example to support direct marketing initiatives, you should review whether the existing form of consent held is adequate. It must be said that the GDPR requires a high level of consent, which, as you've already heard from Pete in an earlier podcast, must be freely given, specific to that situation, informed, i.e. the person knows why they're giving the consent, and unambiguous, so that everybody understands the reason for the consent being given. Any current consent needs to be measured against this requirement and renewed if it doesn't live up to this higher threshold. So the third step while identifying the legal basis on which you're holding data should be to monitor, review and assess the data processing procedures. So achieve this, you'll have to find out where the data is held and this can throw up some surprising results. To fulfil this task successfully, you'll need to elicit the support of other people in your organisation because they'll need to complete an audit of where they hold information. As you'll find, there may be databases with all types of application lurking in quite unlikely areas on your systems. So you could hold a departmental amnesty where staff come clean regarding the lists of information they hold. 
So the aim of this process is to minimise and rationalise data protection and the retention of data. It also allows you to document your processing activities, which will help to demonstrate compliance with data protection principles, which is another general obligation under the general data protection regulations. So now we get on to the fourth step, and this is especially important if you're investing in new systems and equipment in the next few months, because it is to ensure privacy is embedded early into new processing or products. And by um, embedding privacy, what I mean is looking at privacy by design. So that means making sure that data protection compliance is an integral part of your specification. For example, this is just a small thing, but I think it's a good example. Wrigley's introduced special screens to all its iPhones so that when we're in public places, the screen can't be read by people who are around you. Then also looking at data minimisation, so ensuring personal data can only be accessed on a need-to-know basis. Using encryption, which I think will become a lot more commonplace, and will need to become a lot more commonplace. You'll also need to carry out auditable privacy impact statements, particularly if you're working on more intrusive forms of monitoring, such as installing new CCTV or new monitoring equipment on your systems. So the fifth and penultimate step is fairly obvious. Organisations need to check their policies and privacy notices to make sure they're compliant with the requirements of the GDPR. In general, the rule is they should be transparent, in plain English and easily accessible. So say in a prominent position on your website. This process will also include amending policies and procedures that are already in place or introducing new ones to set out how the organisation will respond to a breach and shut down the breach if it does occur. This is particularly important given there will be a requirement for organisations in some circumstances to report security breaches to the ICO within 72 hours. And then last, but certainly no means least, you need to make sure that staff, including directors, trustees and volunteers in some cases, depending on their roles, understand their data protection obligations and you need to provide them with training where necessary. Okay, so um, that's six steps we've got there. So in a nutshell, organisations are going to need to firstly identify data protection champions as you've called them. Um, Secondly, audit data and then decide if they need to keep it. Thirdly, to check requirements around consent and then put appropriate consents in place. Fourthly, assess how data is processed and overlay that with ways of keeping the data safe. Fifthly, to update policies, procedures and privacy statements wherever necessary. And then finally, to train staff. So that's quite clear process of things we've got to do. When should um, charities be doing this? Well, really, um, Duncan, if they haven't already done so, I would recommend that organisations get started on this process straight away. I think the most time-consuming part of the exercise is likely to be mapping the data and the processes, and organisations really need to get people behind them in order to be able to do that. It's also important to think strategically about security of data in all areas of work undertaken. 
So from now on, data protection issues, if they're not already, should certainly feature highly on agendas for meetings and decision-making processes at all levels throughout the organisation. So I think that probably for now um, concludes our, our podcast with regard to preparation and I hope you look forward to the next podcast that we'll be broadcasting which will be all about looking at identifying what data you're actually holding.